All right, the rest of us are going to jump into this series. We're midstream. We're on week number four of Missing Peace. Today we're taking a look at breaking the grip of worry. Now we have looked at some myths about mental health, and one myth about mental health is it's people with mental health issues, that's them. And that's not me. Well, we're blowing that myth out of the water. We all have to kind of deal with mental health issues. Worry is one of those that we all have to deal with. And anybody not worried ever? Yeah, so we have to figure out how to manage that side of things. And we have also looked at anxiety, depression, today's worry. And uh, there's three more coming after today, negative thinking, trauma, and burnout. So that's, that's what we're looking at in this series. I want to begin with this quote, daily stress, daily stress and worry plague a majority of American adults, 60% according to the new nationwide Gallup poll. 60% are dealing with Worry and stress every day. How come you're not surprised? We're not surprised because of like, yeah, yeah, we see it all around us. And yeah, I'm dealing with it too. And I'm not new to this area at all. I have developed a habit pattern of worrying about problems. It's a hard habit pattern to break. Um, I don't know if that's why my hair is white. <laughs> Some people think that that's what caused it. I mean, I started to go gray when I was 31. Um, and that's the same year that I became the pastor of this church. And <clears throat> just saying, I do remember going to a KFC with my, my kids, it, it, holding their hands. And I was a young man just a couple years later. I think Carissa was seven and Luke was about four. And they wanted to give me a senior discount. It's like... <laughs> They're my kids. I didn't say anything. I didn't take the discount either. I should have. Anyway, according to the World Health Organization, Americans are the most worry-filled society in the world. Now, that should cause us a little bit of a puzzle. Why are Americans more worried than other countries when we have so much of the world's wealth? As far as what we have going for us in our world, we have so much more than so many other countries and so many other people, but we tend to worry and stress more. So what's the deal with that? We're going to jump into a little bit of that, uh, especially because we're going to talk about what worry does to us. If we are like the most worry-filled country in the world, it's like we can all be proud. We win! No... That's probably not something we want to be best at. And, and we got to figure out what's going on there with us and why is that the way it is. So let's jump right in. Point number one is what worry does. Now, we know a lot about what worry does just from what we've heard, uh, all kinds of sources, medically, whatever. It messes with our body, it messes with our mind, messes with our health, etc., etc. We're going to take a look at what worry does according to Jesus. And we're going to see some insights here that perhaps we haven't seen before. I'm hoping to, uh, this will be a great help to us today. What worry does. Point A. It chokes you. This is according to Jesus. It chokes you. 
Mark 4, verse 19, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, let me just talk about that a little bit. Jesus explaining his own parable about the sowing of the seed, the message of God, the good news that he came to bring. He talks about those that it wasn't bearing fruit in their lives, and here's why, and he gave some reasons for a particular branch of people. I think Americans fit in this branch, that we are choked out. Why? Because of the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things is choking the fruitfulness of God's good news message to us. This whole series is about missing peace. Jesus came to give us peace. Peace not like the world gives. And even though we have heard the message and we know that our God is good and he's given us peace and everything's taken care of, we worry. Why? Somehow, His message gets choked off because of our worry. Worry about this life, worry about our wealth, worry about the things that we worry about. It's choking us off according to Jesus. Now, speaking of unfruitful, God is so good, he sends his son to die in our place and releases his righteousness into our lives through his spirit so that we can experience fruitfulness, the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, the particular kind of patience which is forbearing patience with those around us that are a little bit harder to be patient with, forbearance that comes from him. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all this fruit comes into our lives because of Jesus' accomplished work. However, if we're constrained and choked off with worry, that fruit gets choked out of our lives. We don't experience the love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, kindness, gentleness. We're stressed out. How do I know? Anybody else know the same ways that I, I know? It's like we have a problem, we kind of worry it out and think it over and try, try to process and we're just not as peaceful, not as loving. We've choked out the channel that is for our good that God came to bring to us. And so we need to figure this out. Why is it that we who have so much more worry so much more than the rest of the world? Now, to kind of take this, which is a little bit stressful to, to think about because we all deal with it and we all struggle with it, and it's like, kind of like, I don't want to do that to you. I'm going to explain it so that we can break the grip of it, okay? I've, I, I've been trying to break the grip of this thing so long, and I'm starting to find some victory because it's a pattern of thought that requires a pattern of different ways of behaving to break this pattern and I'm starting to find a little bit of relief here. I still have to remind myself of the new pattern and keep working the new pattern and that's what we're going to talk about. So to make it a little lighter for us, we're going to do a little test. It's a video test. It's all about focus. It's all about focus. So if you've seen this test before, I want you to uh, really work at concentrating and focus to do the challenge test. There's a quiz you in, in, at the end, okay? If people try to interrupt your focus, don't let them do it. Ready? Focus, here we go. The monkey business illusion. 
Count how many times the players wearing white pass the ball. Focus. The correct answer is 16 passes. How many got that? Ooh, good job. Did you spot the gorilla? <laughs> For people who haven't seen or heard about a video like this before, about half missed the gorilla. If you knew about the gorilla, you probably saw it. But did you notice the curtain changing color or the player on the black team leaving the game? Let's rewind and watch it again. Here comes the gorilla, and there goes a player, and the curtain is changing from red to gold. When you're looking for a gorilla, you often miss other unexpected events. And that's the monkey business illusion. Learn more about this illusion and the original gorilla experiment at theinvisiblegorilla.com. All right, now, this video was not a trick. Literally, I missed the gorilla. How many of you missed the gorilla? Okay, there's the half of us. I, I stopped the video. What? Gorilla? I stopped the video and rewound it. I go, oh my, how did I miss that? It was not a trick. They didn't add it later. It was really there, and I totally missed it. So what did I do? I took it to my wife and just said, do this test. Concentrate on this. She saw the gorilla. It's like... How come you see it and I can't see it? Uh, it's just, it's just, so I went off on vacation, came back this week, and Tanny, our children's director, said, I, th I think I'm going to do this with the kids. You might take a look at it. I took a look at it. Because I missed the gorilla, I made room in this message to make sure we did this test. Because it's all about focus. And it's like, oh, crap, when I'm focused on worry, I miss God totally miss what God is doing because I'm all focused on the problem. It's so focused. What God is doing right now is not in my focus. And it's just, I can't believe I miss the gorilla. But that's how my brain works. When I focus on a problem, I am focused on the problem. And then it's a darkness that I'm focused in. And this darkness leads to more darkness, which leads to more darkness. The last thing in my mind is the hope and goodness and glory and power of God. And it's like I start going down. Anybody know what that feels like? It feels like missing the gorilla. A little embarrassing when you're the preacher. Right? So... We're going to take a look at this a little bit deeply, uh, more deeply at this point. The point of the test is whatever you focus on affects you. So revisiting Mark 4.19, the worries of this life, if that's your focus, you're going to miss the gorilla. The deceitfulness of wealth, if that's where your focus is, you're going to miss the gorilla. The desires for other things, it's going to choke the word and make it unfruitful. So this week, I had a message I thought was going this direction, and then I thought, this video is great. I'm going to go ahead and 
move things around and make room for this. And then on Wednesday morning, doing my regular thing, I looked at the version video verse of the day, and I'm only going to show you one minute of it, and I'm going to make room for that too. Watch this. Hi, my name is Tyler Staten. I'm the lead pastor of Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon. And today's verse of the day comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11, which reads, Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Now this verse is so rich that we'll savor it piece by piece. First, look to the Lord. Modern psychology and neurology tells us this, that whatever we give our attention to, we also give permission to shape who we are. The poet Mary Oliver famously said, attention is the beginning of devotion. In other words, what you let into your mind does more than just uh, affect a passing thought. It actually shapes who you are and comes out of you in speech and in action. What you give your attention to is the person that you become. So give your attention to the Lord, the only one who knows you well enough and loves you completely enough to tell you who you are and shape you into your created being. And there's more to that video, but excellent thought. Again, it's about focus. Now, how many of you did see the gorilla? All right, those of you who did see the gorilla, did you see that the curtain changed to red? Did you see that the, one of the black uh, shirted players left the scene? All right, so you saw that, but you didn't see the curtain change. So when you actually focus on the gorilla, you might miss something else because of your focus also. That was a trick they did because the original one, they didn't do that. So they're tricking people even that know about the gorilla because they focus on the gorilla. I know about worry. Knowing about worry doesn't help anything if I still focus on my worries, okay? And that's part of the point here, that what we give attention to affects us. So what worry does, A, it chokes you. What worry does, B, it blinds your ability to focus. It blinds your ability to focus. We're going to be in Matthew 6 in a verse, a set of verses that are often elude people as, or evade people as far as what they understand it to mean. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that light? I used to think, well, that's why the eye doctor shines the light inside my eye to see how healthy it is inside there because it's, it reflects a whole lot about what's going on inside of me. There's more going on to the verse than that. If your focus is dark, your whole life will go dark. If you're focusing on God and his hope and his goodness and his message of peace, your whole life will be flooded with peace. There's health and there's unhealth based on what it is you're choosing to focus on and only you can make that choice, okay? And this is what we're talking about. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You gotta choose which is going to be your master, which is gonna run your thought life and where you're gonna go with that. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And he goes into a whole lot more about worry here. But I want you to see the word therefore. Take a look. Every time you see therefore, you've got to figure out what the therefore is there for. It's connecting with that choice of focus. 
If you don't choose the right focus, your worry is taking you down into darkness, utter darkness. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to worry about a problem and then you're trying to figure this out, and then you got to that, and then there's also this contingency, you got to figure it out, and then there's that contingency, and you got to figure that out, and pretty soon, you're like all over the place trying to figure out everything. You'll drive yourself nuts trying to figure out the problem, and you're going down deeper and deeper and deeper. When you focus on the gorilla of worry, you completely miss what God is doing. So bad it gets that you don't think this is happening, but it's happening, where worry is a focus that leads you to this darkness, this darkness, God, I don't really trust you. God, I don't trust your plan. God, I don't believe you are with me. God, I'm not sure you are really good. I would never say that out loud, but because of the way I'm processing my worry, it's as if that's true for me because it's freaking me out. I don't trust God. I don't think he's good. Maybe he can't even handle this. That's why I'm freaking out. But that's because I've blocked him out and his good word is choked out by what? By my worry, okay? So it's something we need to figure out how to re-pattern and rethink. I mean, when Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. I mean, I used to think, if somebody tells me, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, I said, you just as well get one of those spray cans that says, stop it. It's like, it doesn't work to go, stop it. I still worry. And I want to push back and say something like this on the screen. Trying to break away from my worries is like wrestling an octopus. I mean, it's got his, his arm around my neck. And as soon as I, with my worry about that's choking me, I pull that one off. He's got another arm. He's going to grab it again and pull it off another one. He's got too many arms for my worries to handle. It's like, you're telling me not to worry? It's an octopus. I can't seem to get a grip on this thing. Anybody relate? You probably didn't see the gorilla either. All right. (laughs) So, what worry does, A, it chokes you, B, it blinds your ability to focus, and C, it fixates on future problems without fixing anything. Worry fixates on future problems without fixing anything. Now, Jesus isn't just saying, psst, stop it. He gives marvelous explanations and marvelous illustrations and helps us with real tools to repattern my habit of thinking. Okay, so we need to get a hold of this, and I'm only just hitting some highlights. So let's pick another gem of a highlight right from this Matthew. 6 text, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Memorize it. Now, after you've memorized it, you're going to go, what does that mean? Like, tomorrow doesn't worry about tomorrow. I worry about tomorrow. Uh, What does it mean that there's enough trouble in today's worries? Well, it's, Jesus is actually giving us some tools to understand what is happening with this whole process of worry. You know what we're worrying about? We're worrying about something we have no equipment to handle. God is in the department of understanding what's going to happen in the future. Humans are not. It's not a human equipment 
capability to worry yourself out of that fear and take control of tomorrow. There's too many contingencies about tomorrow that we cannot know. In fact, we know nothing about tomorrow. Only God knows about tomorrow. And so when we are worrying about tomorrow's problem, we are actually not doing anything but worrying. We're not fixing anything. We're fixating on a problem we can do nothing about. And that is insanity. (laughs) Worry, by its word in the Greek, it's tearing us apart. The word means tearing us apart. I know all about that. I'm just tearing myself apart trying to solve this, solve this, solve this. Wait, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. And I want to call it planning. No, planning, James talks about planning uh, within the boundaries of God's will. If it's God's will, I could do this and do this and this. Planning is something you can actually do something today, okay? Worry, you're fixating on something you aren't doing anything about. So a little subtle distinction there. Um, In fact, here's a quote on the screen. Concern focuses on challenges and moves you to take action. Worry focuses on what's beyond your control and results in inaction. It paralyzes you. It's like, this is terrible. And you're going down the darkness hole because you can't solve all the contingencies and it's just starting to feel like you can't trust God. It's very bad what's happening, blah, 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 blah. Did you know that statistically, only 90% of the things you worry about, no, 90% of the things that you worry about never happen? I mean, they did this big study. 91% of the things that you worry about never happen. So there's only like 9% of the things that you worry about that do happen. And then when you discover of that 9%, most of the stuff that you were worried about, that when it happens, it was no big deal. You handled it just fine. It was good. Then there is those whoppers. You were worried about it. It was worse than you thought. Okay? God is so good, he takes those things that are worse than you thought, and he's still present. And he'll be with you, walking through it. It's way worse than you ever imagined, but he shows up in ways that are so filled with faith and presence and peace. It's like you learn at a whole different level. So what we gotta do is take our focus off of the problems and put it onto our great, glorious, powerful, good, big God, okay? That's what we've got to do. Point number two, what do you do to break its grip? So we've talked a lot about what happens to you. I've talked a lot about what happens to me. You're not alone. What do you do if that's what happens and it keeps happening? What do you do? Jesus actually tells us, here's what you do, okay? Here's what you do. Verse 33, which is the verse just before the verse about tomorrow. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom, this is God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what do you do? Seek first his kingdom instead of worry first about this problem, okay? Now, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a stop it. Okay, got it. I'm going to seek God now. But you do have to take your focus off of the worry by the bootstraps, 
your mind and turn it to the face of God and start praising God, trusting God, expressing how big and good he is. And it takes a habit pattern of doing that to where you're starting to see a change in your habit pattern of thinking, okay? So I've got a series of questions that I've literally written out that I'm gonna read to you right now because most of us are here because we want to seek God first. That's why we're here. But do we? Okay, here are some questions. Is God really first in your life? Is he first in your day? When you wake up in the morning, does your mind drift to all the things you have to do that day? Or do you bring your thoughts toward the bigness and goodness of God first? When you think about the financial pressures, do you tend to put God first in whatever he blesses you with? Or do you put him last? Or do you consider him even at all when it comes to your financial concerns? Do you let your mind go to the worst possible case scenario if your wife is late or your kids are late? Do you go to the worst possible scenario and just kind of chew and chew and chew around those fears? Or do you take your mind captive and move it by choosing to focus on the goodness and the glory of God? Only you, only you can decide where you're going to focus, okay? And so he's telling you, focus first on God and his kingdom, all right? So this is a habit pattern that we have to develop in our daily life and then repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until it becomes a God is my priority. God is my center. Jesus is on center stage. I'm not on center stage of my life. Jesus is on center stage of my life. I'm going to trust my story with him. I'm going to trust the chapters that he's writing for my life. I'm going to trust that his story about my life is way better than the story I'm trying to write. He's king, not me. He's God. I'm not the God of my life. He's the God of my life. He's the Lord of my life. He's going to do a great job with my life. I can't wait to see what's going to happen tomorrow. So how do you break the grip of worry? Seek God's kingdom first. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to go ahead and make their way to the prayer team area here to the right, my right, your left, while I talk about some steps you might wanna take. What are some specific steps you can take this week to prioritize God himself? Not just his gifts, not the things you're hoping to get from his hand, but God himself, where you look to him, kind of take your face uh, away from the thing that's kind of got you and face him and look at God himself and receive his presence. How can you seek first him, his righteousness, his kingdom? What pattern can you change? We still have three topics to go in this series, negative thinking, trauma, burnout, Hope you'll think about coming even if you never think a negative thought, not even close to burning out and feeling like quitting. You don't even know what trauma is. I hope you come. You might discover some things, okay? Thanks for coming today. If you're new and haven't filled out one of these Connect cards yet, we'd love to have you fill one out. Take it to the information table. Grab a gift bag. We, we want to connect. That's why it's called the Connect card. And we want you to... Uh, Be able to take steps from wherever you are to where God wants you to be. 
If you have a prayer need, we ask you to consider going to the prayer team and have them pray for you right now. If that's a big step for you, you can grab a card that says prayer from the chair in front of you. Write that down. Take it to the giving box. Just drop it in the giving box. The staff will be praying for you tomorrow. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you that you are good, you're powerful, you're big, that we don't have to worry about tomorrow, that you've got tomorrow secured because you're here even today in your kingdom for us right now. We're seeking you together now. We're looking at you. We can't see you with our physical eyes, but we know from what we know about you that you're good. We know a lot about you because we've come to know your son Jesus. We can kind of relate to him. We love him and how he responds to us. We can kind of see that that's your character. We want to seek you, know you, Lord Jesus, thank you for taking upon yourself all of our sin, taking it away, giving us forgiveness, filling us with life, filling us with peace, joy, and hope. Lord God, you're our Savior. Be my Lord. Write my story. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.